For the December 2009 release of his mixtape The High Life, 17-year-old Mac Miller found time in between recording sessions and high school classes to run a promotional blog for his new music. A senior in high school at the time, Mac was thinking about what to do next. He posted on October 17, 2009, quote, I'm at a point in my career where I often question the topic of college. Will I apply and try to get in right out of high school? Will I take a year off to grind super hard? Will I keep my life on the safe route? I really don't know. But for now, I'm just doing what makes me happy, and that is making music right for my soul. I feel that as long as I continue to satisfy myself, the rest will fall into place. Good night, everybody. Dream of bigger and better things for yourself. Unquote. Days later, it seemed Mac had decided to take at least a step in the college direction, and he posted an essay he wrote in an application for Temple University. Quote, I have never met anybody as passionate as I am about what I do. I have lost a great portion of my social life to this dream. I don't want to be a performer. I want to make a difference in the world. I realize that my voice is through music. In today's age, music is one of the loudest voices there is. More kids listen to what Gucci Mane has to say about wearing jewelry than Barack Obama's press conference. All I want to do is change the way people see the world, and I believe I have the power to do just that." This was the way Mac Miller felt about the future in 2009. At 17 years old, he wanted to go out into the world and make a difference. By 2018, nearly a decade later, he was doing that and much more. From Spotify, I'm Cole Kushna, and this is Dissect, long-form musical analysis broken into short, digestible episodes. Today, we continue our serialized examination of Mac Miller's swimming with its penultimate track, 2009. On our last episode, we dissected the song Jet Fuel, which finds Mac boasting and defiant about his drug use, claiming he'll never lose his high because he'll never run out of jet fuel, aka substances. But ever the complete thinker, Mac juxtaposes his own arrogance with a contrasting outro section. It's here that Mac seems to depict himself high in the clouds, revealing a conflict caused by his substance use. Here, Mac vulnerably sings, Fate in your hands, while you're waiting for me. I'm already there, falling in deep. Now is only now. Head back to the ground, dear. We interpreted this section as Mac in conversation with someone, someone who encourages him to come back to earth, to leave his high up in the clouds so he can be present and clear-headed on the ground, in the eternal now. This outro then creates a perfect transition into the album's next track, a track that finds Mac grounded, looking back on his journey with appreciation with a present-day clarity. Of course, we're talking about the crown jewel of swimming, 2009. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't need to lie no more. Nowadays, all I do is shine, take a breath and ease my mind. She don't cry no more. She tell me that I get her high, cause the angel's supposed to fly. 2009 was produced by Eric G. The majority of the production is based around a sample of the opening moments of Shantae Moore's 1999 song, Shantae's Got a Man. Girl, what happened to you? Oh, look at you. This piano intro was sampled and pitched up five semitones to form the basis of 2009. Next, a simple drum beat is added. This minimalistic approach to the song's production creates an intimate environment for Mac's lyrics, which will prove to be some of his most vulnerable and heartfelt words in his entire discography. But prefacing this beat and Mac's entrance is an extended string introduction composed by Asia Grant. 
The elegance and beauty of this string section almost defies description, one of those rare passages of music that feels too transcendent for analysis. And while I do want to point out some cool compositional stuff going on in this section, admittedly, I'm going to tread lightly, or risk diminishing its magic with theoretical jargon. The first detail we should notice is that the string section begins with the same chord progression as the piano sample. First, let's hear the chords as heard from the sample. Now, if we play the same chords, just in a lower register, we get this. And now, add a melody on top. And that's how this... transforms into this. Now, after repeating this opening statement, the section suddenly modulates into a new key signature and begins a sweeping rise in the melody. At the peak of this rise, we get yet another modulation to a new key, and the melody descends. This is followed by another, even more rapid rising part, followed by a rapid descent. Notice how all this rising and falling creates an almost cinematic sensation of struggle and then triumph, of tension and then release. After these warring rises and falls, we find ourselves in what to me is the centerpiece of this entire string section. While the backing strings dwell in the mid-register, the lead violin enters with a devastatingly gorgeous melody, bringing the section to an emotional breaking point. At the end of this beautiful melodic phrase, the piano hammers away harder and harder, building tension. And just when it feels like we can't take anymore, the section blossoms open with a lush F-sharp major 13 chord that ascends into the heavens. Once the piano reaches this high, it will stay there, kind of fluttering around. This is what creates a smooth transition into the sampled piano part, because it's played in the same high register the intro piano ends in. This opening to 2009 is absolutely masterful, and while I did want to point out some of the compositional effects it utilizes, none of this explains the emotional essence this string passage captures. It's one of the more moving pieces of music I've ever heard, one that leaves me feeling baffled that something so beautiful even exists in the world. It feels like a privilege to be able to listen to it, to be engulfed in so much beauty, showcasing what I feel is the very essence of music's power to transcend our earthly world and usher us into the territory of the divine. Indeed, Mac will end 2009 saying, but really, I'm just trying to start believing in God. And for me personally, when I hear something as immaculate, ethereal, and emotionally arresting as this musical passage, it's the closest I ever feel to the touch of God. Mac enters 2009 with a series of vocal croons, fully enveloped in the music. Before any analysis of Mac's lyrics, we need to upfront acknowledge his delivery style. He's not quite rapping, not quite singing, but rather uses a unique fluid hybrid of both simultaneously. It feels organic, yet we know how singing is something Mac had to work at in order to feel comfortable enough to put his singing on wax. As Mac once explained, quote, Singing to me just feels really vulnerable. I haven't been as confident in my singing voice in the past, 
But then I just kind of realized it's not about whether my voice is the most incredible singing voice. That's my voice, unquote. He would go on to explain that after seeing Bob Dylan perform, quote, I started to realize more that I have a good sense of melody. I always have, and I know what notes I can hit and what are kind of a little out of my range. But I think making this record and all those questions, I was just like, get the fuck out of here. Fear to me is a guiding thing more than anything. I've been scared to do shit like this through my whole career, and I'm just happy that now I'm comfortable enough to do it, unquote. In a song that will look retrospectively on his career and personal journey, Maxo comfortably hybridizing singing and rapping to the point they are indistinguishable from one another feels like a perfect encapsulation of his growth as an artist and person, someone who had achieved the rare ability to express himself without restraint, fear, or hesitation. On 2009, we get the feeling of someone speaking directly from their soul, a rare glimpse into that otherwise ineffable realm of our humanity. This kind of organic, unfiltered expression of self is even more apparent when we realize that, unbelievably, the first half of 2009 was recorded on the spot, in one take, a freestyle. According to 2009's producer Eric G., quote, It was in Seattle when he was on tour. We had dinner at the Space Needle one night, and him and Ariana and all the people on tour. Went to the studio for two nights in a row. The way he did the song, he did it so quickly. He works really fast and does a lot of stuff at all times. It's just fluid. He just kind of exists, going with it. Instead of overthinking anything, he just goes. He was sober for a while at this point. He was looking all healthy and stuff. It was just me and him in the studio, and I was kind of going through my own thing at the time, and I was asking him for advice. We just talked about that for hours, going in and outside, smoking cigarettes. He was like, play me some beats. And the first or second beat I played was 2009. He just paced around the room for a little bit with the beat playing. Then he did the first half of the song in a pitch black booth with no phone or anything. I don't even know how he did it and for it to be so meaningful. It's crazy that it just came off the top of his head like that. Then he did the rest a little later, but he didn't write anything down or anything. It was really crazy to watch. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't need to lie no more. Nowadays all I do is shine, take a breath and ease my mind. She don't cry no more. Tell me that I get her high Cause the angel's supposed to fly and I ain't asking why no more Oh no, I take it if it's mine I don't stay inside the lines It ain't 2009 no more Yeah, I know what's behind that door Yeah, okay, you got it Mac begins singing, I don't need to lie no more Nowadays all I do is shine, take a breath, and ease my mind Here Mac feels able to tell the truth and be present The idea that he doesn't need to lie anymore is a direct progression from the album opener Come Back to Earth, when he's saying, what I won't tell you, I'll probably never even tell myself. He has swum through stressful waters to relief, not to a static place, but to an experience of life with awareness and motion. Mac not needing to lie anymore also insinuates that he has gotten up. He's not lying down, stuck inside, or in bed. Instead, he's outside, shining with the sun. The joy he feels is based in mindfulness, conveyed by the importance of taking a breath as a foundational act in meditation, which then eases the mind. It's a fresh morning, a good a.m. In the constant rebirth, renewal, and revolution of Mac's discography, we're in a moment swinging up, and he uses this state to express gratitude and reflect vulnerability on his path. He then continues, and she don't cry no more. She tell me that I get her high because an angel is supposed to fly. Having settled his own life, he realizes the positive effect this has on others. In our concerns for others' well-being, we often gloss over the way that taking care of ourselves can help those who care for us. The she in question here is vague, as is the angel. Is she the angel, or is she reacting to the flight of the angel, which would likely be Mac himself? If this is the case, the she might refer specifically to someone such as Ariana Grande or Mac's mother, some feminine entity engaged in his well-being and responds positively to his ascension. Mac was known to refer to Ariana specifically as an angel since 2013, well before they were romantically involved, when they were just hanging out as friends and making music. She's like the greatest person in the world. She's like an angel. Like, she's very nice. She's a sweet girl. She comes over here to make music that's, like, weird because, like, she's, you know, she has, like, hit records so I like I always have her come over here and just like make weird songs that like won't ever come out. Given that Mac and Ariana were together when he wrote this song it's not a stretch to think the line could be referring to her specifically. On the other hand the angel could be Mac as Ariana famously sang on her song Thank You Next. Wish I could say thank you to Malcolm because he was an angel. Even though I'm married, 
In either scenario, whether the angel is Mac or the woman, the central idea is that, as divine beings, we are supposed to fly, a state of weightless clarity Mac has sought all album long. While Mac has previously used drugs to reach this state, these lines feel different. Given that we know his drug use did affect his relationships, the fact that she don't cry no more might imply a period of sobriety, where Mac and his love are able to experience a natural state of flight. Mac then continues 2009 singing, and I ain't asking why no more. I take it if it's mine, I don't stay inside the lines. Similar to the song What's the Use, Mac finds himself able to enjoy the high instead of questioning it to death. When he says he takes it, it feels like Mac is powerfully declaring that he can take whatever comes his way that the experiences he has will be bearable since he's decided to accept them as they are, without trying to box anything in, experiencing the water-like freedom of fluidity, of going with the flow. Saying he don't stay inside the lines continues the motif of lines being used to represent limits. Back on ladders, expressing a similar feeling of joy, he rapped, We don't see no lines, we don't color inside. Matt continues reflecting, It ain't 2009 no more. Yeah, I know what's behind that door. He's looking back on his life, on everything that's happened since he went through that door. The specificity of the year 2009 makes us curious. What exactly happened that year? Why did he choose that one specifically? What is it about 2009? What is the relevance of that? That was the year that this all really started for because, me. Because you talk about, and again, I don't want to like leak any lyrics, but you talk about, I know what's behind that door. What was behind the door? It's crazy world, man. But, you know, I've been doing this now for, for you know, kind of a long time. And we can do the math. It's 11 years. <laughs> I tried out a lot of different things and, and a lot of different ways of living and a lot of different ways of creating. And, you know, I think that that was kind of the, the what I was going for. Yeah, you're living song. in process and you put it through your music. You've had your rock star moments. Yeah. You've had those moments, right? For sure. But, I mean, I'm glad I have. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm glad I've experienced everything I've experienced. I don't have a regret for anything that I've, I've been through because... Well, it's, it's all part of the journey. With The High Life being released in December of 2009 and Kids in August of 2010, 2009 was the last year before Mac's career took off, before his journey on the road of fame and success began. Born January 19, 1992, Mac would have been 17 nearly all year, making it his final year of childhood as well. If we go back to interviews with Mac at the time, we can find him processing the lightning-fast changes in his life. In an interview from October 2010, Mac was asked what had changed for him in the last year, and one of the major shifts he identified was going from focusing solely on making music to the need to market himself. I think it was like all pre-dropping kids. It like when I dropped kids is when it kind of completely shifted. But last year this time I was just completely focused on making music, and that was it. Just making music, developing and mastering my craft, everything about the creation of, of my sound which I was working on. And then I dropped kids and it's like, now it's like I have built a product that I'm still, you know, working and improving on, but I built a product and now it's like I have to get it out there. So it's traveling, doing all different types of events and, and things to, to get this face around. The idea of Matt going from focusing entirely on the joy of learning and creating music to going out on the road and marketing himself demonstrates a pivotal shift, something that played out in a million ways. For instance, since his journey on the road began in 2009, it makes sense that some of his cars would be from the same year, an idea that seemingly stuck with Mac as he kept the ideas intertwined in his head years later. And then, you know, I keep I keep it chill with like a, I got like a 2009 yeah, maroon yeah. BMW something okay. just to Ooh, cruise like around that. the city. Like, you said 2009? Yeah. Go ahead, it's man. It's a good year. I like 2009. <laughs> It's a classic. 2009 was the year I dropped okay, my first mixtape. Yeah, of course. So is it stopped. Here with art and life interwoven tightly, we realize that Mac's journey on the road began in 2009, that his car, one of swimming central motifs, is from the same time, and he's been taking this journey ever since. The honesty of Mac Miller's music is such that it traverses time and space with the man behind the music, reaching an apex here on 2009 as he continues to take stock of his past and present. Even the phrase, I know what's behind that door, connects with this reflective mood, as the door symbolism is a motif we can trace throughout his entire career. Here's the song Knock Knock, one of Mac's first hits off that seminal 2010 kids mixtape. This is gonna feel real good, alright? Most dope. Everybody please put a thumb in the air.
Knock Knock was a persona-introducing memorandum, a notice that Mac Miller was on the way, knocking on her collective door, with the intent to take the music industry by storm. Mac continued to develop the symbol on Doors, the opening track of Good AM, and one that Mac once said was his favorite on the album. Telling himself to accept the opening and closing of doors with the passage of time, Mac uses the symbol as a representation of identity, connectivity, openness, and opportunity. Doors will close and people change, as the door is our front opening, the portal into each room, and each of us. The year 2009 is thus one specific door, one momentous transition in Mac's life he can now look back on and accept. As he told Zane Lowe, there was a crazy world behind that door, but it led him to where he was in the present. That door led to life, which in order to be worth anything, must be accepted and experienced. By doing so, he knows he can accept the outcome of going through any door in the future. I don't have it all, but that's all right with me. Take it nice and easy, took a flight to see me. Send you back home with a light that's beaming. The whole team about to figure it out. We ice cold, that's what winning about. And sometimes, sometimes... Mac offers a directive as he begins the first verse. Yeah, okay, you gotta jump in to swim. Here Mac expresses the philosophy of experiential learning, of the impetus for action that drives our lives. To do anything at all, we must make and commit to the decision to try and do that thing. Otherwise, we will surely fall to the whims of our environment. If we stand any chance at all, we'll need to try our damnedest to get on with it. The importance of this line is heightened by the fact that he says the album's title directly. But seem this song intends to offer some central wisdom, some attempt at making sense of the journey we've taken together on the album. The swimming metaphor had apparently been on Mac's mind for years. While it appears in lyrical content from the beginning of his career, the most contextually relevant instance appears to be in Mac's description of his journey with being vulnerable on wax and singing more. The bigger it gets, it's, it's, it's like I didn't know if I was ready yet, but like someone just pushed me into the pool. So like I'm swimming now yeah. and we're here yeah. and it's kind of like going, like going with it, you know? And now I have to like- Well, Mac here is specifically talking about being comfortable with singing more. The fundamental idea translates to the wider human experience and personal growth. Imagine a world in which Mac Miller never got the courage to sing more. Imagine if he stayed scared, if he let his fear of singing get the best of him, if he refused to swim in the water he was thrown into. There would be no divine feminine, no swimming, no circles. There would be no 2009, Wings, Good News, Woods, Dang, or any of the long list of songs wherein Mac's singing allows him to express the more vulnerable parts of himself he would have remained limited by fear. But like he said, we're swimming now, and we have to go with it. If life is a constantly nebulous experience of motion, we must do our best to move with it. We have to take it if it's ours. We must accept all that comes our way, adapt, survive, and come out the other side of that door stronger, having grown. And sometimes this requires a leap of faith, as there is an inherent danger in jumping into unfamiliar waters. But sometimes you have to jump or risk becoming a fearful bird that goes its entire life without flying. Typically, the greatest rewards are on the other side of fear, and Mac encourages us to jump. Mac then broods, while the light was dim in this life of sin. Reflecting on the past, Mac continues the motif of light, with the dim light of sin alluding to the depths of hell or the darkness of a treacherous life. This acknowledgement of the past is crucial to Mac's ability to process and move on as we'll continue to see him reflect as a means of shining light on his situation. Placing this line after you gotta jump in to swim also implies that swimming is a method to move on from the life of sin, that Mac is working forward, perhaps towards sobriety. Reflecting on a dark period in his life, Mac told Grantland, quote, For two to three years, I was just numb. So when you're coming out of that, it's all going to come out at once. I was crying every day, unquote. Evaluating his present development, Mac then raps, Now every day I wake up and breathe. I don't have it all, but that's all right with me. The cleverness of not having it all, but still being all right, reinforces the lessons of wings and perfecto, being present and accepting incompleteness as complete, imperfection as perfection. These lines are a clear progression from the dim light of sin. As the night ends, Mac wakes up and is able to appreciate the light of day. 
Waking up and breathing is meditative, an aware experience of the cycles of each day, reflecting on a micro level the revolving nature of each breath, from inhale to exhale, the respiratory passage of time. Mac then seemingly speaks to those he loves, rapping, Take it nice and easy, took a flight to see me, send you back home with a light that's beaming. This works both on a literal and figurative level. At the time of creating swimming, Mac was mostly living in Los Angeles, and for his Pittsburgh family to check up on him, they would have to fly across the country. Mac appears proud that he can send them home having eased their worries, perhaps in relation to his drug use. True to form, it seems, Mac was concerned with the well-being of others, wanting to send them home with a feeling of joy or happiness, that bright light. While Mac has previously used the motif of flights as a metaphor for being high, it feels like here Mac is speaking on the high of awareness and present moment clarity. Just a month before recording this verse, Mac was on sway in the morning talking about how he found sobriety to be a new high, a new experience of life, and how this impacted those around him. But like all of a sudden just being completely clear-headed was like uh that was the new high. That was the new you adrenaline, know what I mean? Right? Because yeah. it's like, oh wow, like I'm feeling things and and I was kind of scared that I wouldn't be able to create mm -hmm. but I was like wow I'm a superhero you know what yeah. I mean because I can feel like you know what I mean like yeah. I this is actual real happiness this is real sadness yeah. mm. this isn't like you know me putting some uh going to the pharmacy trying to pick a emotion and put it together you mm. know this is like a real this is this is the world that I've been hiding from this is me f like channeling that energy Mm -hmm. and and letting it kind of go through me and putting it out creatively you know what the, i have the people in my life are the same people that have been in my life forever and, and um they it was such a positive effect on the people around me and i didn't realize it and i didn't want to i didn't want to i didn't realize how how um substantial that would be just for me to 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 take care of myself because that's really a thing you know what i mean it's people like you want to take care of those around you take care of yourself first mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i'm always like yeah right like that's some bullshit <laughs> like i need to i need to make sure to blase 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 but like in reality like that this was this was it and um and it's fear man like you just you just tackle all of that and you realize you have nothing to be afraid of but i like I had to kind of start changing up maybe different ways I did things, but but everyone around me is kind of, had kind of been sitting there like, come on, man, come on, man. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like I have people that support that are the greatest support system ever, rather than a bunch of people like, what you mean, man? You don't want this drink? Man? <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? Like so the like scumbags. <laughs> <laughs> right. Scumbag. So, sometimes, sometimes. I wish I took a simple route Instead of having demons that's as big as my house mm -hmm. Have a ball with it dribbling and bounce Cause the party ain't over till they kicking me out Yeah, Isn't it funny we can make a lot of money Buy a lot of things just to feel a lot of ugly I was yay high and muddy Looking for what was looking for me Matt continues the first verse rapping And sometimes I wish I took the simpler route instead of having demons that's as big as my house. The use of simpler route continues the thread of the road on swimming, illustrating the winding path of Mac's life. Admitting that he sometimes wishes he had a different road, Mac acknowledges the existence of personal demons, of haunting, overarching internal conflicts caused by the twisted path he's traveled. This could refer to anxiety, depression, addiction, or the pressures of living in the blinding light of celebrity, all of which Mac has openly addressed in his music. When asked about this line directly by Craig Jenkins, Mac explained, quote, We actually joke all the time. We'll take a moment where we'll be like, man, life would be so simple if I would have just had a job somewhere. You know, like been at one place and then come home. And there's that moment of peacefulness when you think about it. But I would never actually do that. I'm also very attracted to my own demons, unquote. And while Mac here was wondering about the simpler route in 2018, back in 2009, he'd actually considered the option. When everyone around him in high school was talking about college, he wrote on his blog, quote, I understand the safe way to live your life. Get good grades, go to college, and get a job. That just never seemed to spark my interest. I've always lived in my own world and set my goals higher than I could reach from the position I'm standing in, unquote. Matt connecting his demons specifically to his house also has a few implications. Given the home is the place where one can hopefully find respite, it reveals how deeply Mac feels these demons. 
Mac has also previously used his house as a flex, which reflects how intertwined the pursuit of comfort and the evils of wealth are. Mac then continues his wishing as he raps, have a ball with a dribble and bounce, because the party ain't over till they kick me out. In other words, Mac wants to have fun, using a basketball metaphor to insinuate a dance party or ball. It's a line similar to Small Worlds when he rapped, I just want a ball, maybe dunk, but I've never been tall. Mac is pursuing the joyous flow state of a game as an ideal. There's also an existential quality to the line, a command to enjoy the life we have until we die, until we get kicked out. Mac then comments, isn't it funny, we can make a lot of money, buy a lot of things just to feel a lot of ugly. It's a continuation of the line about demons being attached to his big house, as Mac notes the irony of the physical reward for his art, of his place in the systems of our society. Simply put, money and whatever it can provide will not fill the holes inside of us. Recall something Mac said about his past at the time of Swimming's release, quote, When you first get caught up in everything, that's what you want. You want more, more of this. You want to be at all these places and this and that, unquote. It seems that part of his peace of mind came with an acceptance of exactly what he has, disregarding this suffering of desire. Mac's lyrics also seem to reflect on his feelings that many musicians put everything into their art, give it to the people, and in the process, lose their lives. It was something he let out on Twitter in the aftermath of Prince's passing, writing in a series of tweets, quote, I just want all of you to understand what these artists that you listen to sacrifice for you. Just appreciate that shit, man. This ain't easy. Motherfuckers give their lives for music. They lose everybody around them. And they are left alone with nobody but music and the people that listen to it. You guys are very important and thank you for always supporting me. But you have no idea. Prince is fucking dead. Michael is fucking dead. The list goes on. And everybody wants to talk about drugs. Drugs, drugs, drugs. That's what killed this person. Blah, blah, blah. No. It is music. And here we are on the internet laughing and talking about people who put everything they have into music and end up with nothing but money. People fucking die. So be grateful for that song that comes on your Pandora. That piece of music you tweet your girlfriend. Somebody died for you. Unquote. As if expanding on these kinds of ugly feelings, Mac raps, I was yay high and muddy, looking for what was looking for me. On the surface, Mac is talking about his childhood, with the imagery of a short, muddy kid running around looking for trouble. With this image, we see young Mac looking for fame and success, which, unlike most, actually came to him. It's the hard-won breathlessness of a day at play, that kid at the park completely worn out come dusk, having lived a life to the fullest. At the same time, Mac has concocted a potent drug mixture with this line. Yay is a slang term for cocaine, so yay high becomes a description of being high on coke. At the same time, mud is a term for drinks made with cough syrup containing codeine and promethazine. Sometimes called lean, it's a substance Mac admitted to using in stints, like during the 2012 Macadelic tour. Quote, I was not happy and I was on lean very heavy. I was so fucked up all the time, it was bad. My friends couldn't even look at me the same. I was lost, unquote. In the 2016 Fader documentary on Mac, there's footage of him pouring lean in the studio. At one point, he looks at the concussion and specifically calls the brew mud. The implication of muddy here on 2009 thus appears intentional. In this way, the line, I was yay high and muddy, looking for what was looking for me, combines the highs and the lows, revealing what was in part behind that door. It's the youthful freedom of creating music and making a living doing what you love, but also the lure of substances, falling prey to the pursuit, to the futility of consumption. Those substances may offer a temporary high, but they'll inevitably bring an ugly low. Mac's ability to express the joy of well-earned exhaustion of young play and the ugly depths of drug abuse joins the many times he so potently expressed the duality and simultaneity of experience, a balanced perspective gained by years of awareness and analysis. The line looking for what was looking for me also seems to incorporate the idea of fate, as Mac finds what was looking for him and vice versa. It's the idea that we only partially control the outcomes of our lives, that much of it is preordained by circumstances beyond our control and that while we might go looking for things, desiring certain outcomes, there are also things in the universe looking for us. When they find us, when those unforeseen and sometimes tragic events happen, there's a certain amount of acceptance that we must learn to cultivate, understanding they are unavoidable and that we don't have to be ashamed that they happen to us. This idea thus contextualizes the repetition of the chorus, because when Max sings, I don't need to lie no more, we realize there is peace in being honest. Any past failures or sadness, any achievements or happiness, all of it is experience, all of it is lived, and all of it will pass. 
accepting this as our only option if we wish to live. Looking for what was looking for me, but I don't need to lie no more. Nowadays, all I do is shine, take a breath and ease my mind. She don't cry no more. Tell me that I get her high Cause the angel's supposed to fly I ain't asking why no more Oh no, I take it if it's mine I don't stay inside the lines It ain't 2009 no more Yeah, I know what's behind that door We'll be back right after the break. Welcome back to Dissect. Before the break, we broke down 2009's first verse. After a repetition of the chorus, Mac begins an equally moving and emotional second verse. Mac begins the second verse, Yeah, they ask me what I'm smiling for. Well, because I've never been this high before. It's like I've never felt alive before. I'd rather have me peace of mind than war. This is a joyous, shining moment establishing Mac's position of health and wisdom, which he'll use to comment on his path and extend a hand to those of us struggling to get back up. It's heartwarming to get an image of Mac smiling here, because given how honest he is in his music, it feels genuine. As he explained, quote, I'm a firm believer in my music following wherever I am emotionally in reality. If I'm going through it, my music will be going through it. I've been on a life roller coaster and I continually make music, so it all follows that, unquote. Recall that Mac told Sway this was a period where he was finding a new high in being sober and aware in his life. He would say something similar when he turned to Rick Rubin for support in getting sober after the Faces era, noting that the sober version of himself was the best. While he didn't want to judge his past experiences as good or bad, he wanted to recognize and acknowledge them so he could move forward. The most important thing is to always realize that the sober you is the best you. But um, my main drug is the studio. So, you know... Uh, the past two years, I've just been in that room. So, you know, it's it's taking vacation. No, it's not a positive thing. It's not a negative thing. It's just a thing. But, you know, at, at some point, you recognize it and move forward. Speaking on his health at the time of swimming, Mac told Craig Jenkins, quote, All I do is work out every day, go to sleep early, all these things. So now it's kind of just like teaching myself the balance of it all. I do think I'm in my best, most balanced state that I've ever been in yet, unquote. Working out in particular seemed to be helping Mac, as he explained further, quote, It's good for the chemicals in your brain. It puts my mind in the proper place to start the day, unquote. Scientifically speaking, Mac is right. Exercise is proven to produce endorphins and benefit mental health. In particular, exercise is a powerful tool in battling addiction. On 2009, Mac's desire for this kind of peace of mind instead of war appears to reference the same notion he covered on self-care when he's saying, Let's go back to my crib and play some 45s. It's safe in there. I know there's still a war outside. In both songs, Mac appears to be illustrating his anxieties, whether wanting to stay inside so as to avoid conflict or striving to keep his mind from engaging in battle with himself. This war symbolism popped up outside of swimming as well. In Mac's posthumous release Spotify Singles, his last ever recording session, Mac covered Billy Preston's song Nothing From Nothing. Don't you remember I told you I'm a Here, Mac sings, I'm a soldier, but ain't a war that I can see, which is a telling alteration of Billy Preston's original lyric, I'm a soldier in the war on poverty. Mac's notion of war is specifically of the mind, but it is, in a sense, a figment of our imagination. It's our anxiety. The war is not real, yet it is in his head, and this is the struggle of swimming, to find, as he says, peace of mind so that he can face the world and actually live. Recall that the album began with Mac wishing for a way out of his head, and here near the end, it feels like he's on the correct path. With this piece, Mac then admits, See, me and you, we ain't that different. Struck the fuck out, and then I came back swinging. Further highlighting the intimacy of artists and audience that characterizes the album, Mac parallels his own struggles with our own. This is the closeness and vulnerability of swimming laid bare. The use of the baseball metaphor also continues the album's motif of games while alluding to the sense of home, as in home plate, which is the desired destination of anyone who steps up to bat. Nodding to the familial concern of the hook, 
Mac evokes the notion that we all want to return home, to comfort. Mac's journey is thus a model for us all. We're all swimming in circles. Even if we strike out, we can step up to the plate again. Mac's ability to take his failures in stride and to come back swinging mirrors our own ability to do the same. As he said, we ain't that different. Mac then raps, take my, time to finish, mind my business. The pause in his delivery after take my mirrors the lyrical content as he literally takes his time to finish the line. His desire to mind his business is a pursuit of mindfulness, of sticking to his own concerns at his own pace. That said, there's potentially a slick sexual innuendo here of Mac taking his time in the bedroom before finishing or climaxing. Mac then continues with a wise definition, a life ain't a life till you live it. In other words, life must be lived or it isn't life at all. This is a call to action, a call to actually use our time on earth and make something of it. Even the use of the shortened till reinforces this idea of cultivation, as to till a field is to prepare it for crops, for life, for growth. This is wisdom we must constantly remember, or else we become lost in the inaction of anxiety, or the dark stasis of depression. The choice must be constantly made to get on with it. Life ain't a life till you live it. I was digging me a hole, big enough to bury my soul. Weight of the world, I gotta carry my own, my own. With these arms, I can carry you home. I'm right here when you're scared and alone, and I ain't never in a hurry. You don't never gotta worry. Even when it's 7.30 and the time is running low. When your heart get cold. See what's behind all them unturned stones. And I'm a pro when it come to my job. But really, I'm just trying to start believing in God. Now when it gets hard, I don't panic, I don't sound the alarm. Because Max's call to action, life ain't a life till you live it, is then followed by a comparison as Mac remembers the darkness of his past. He raps, I was digging me a hole big enough to bury my soul. Weight of the world, I gotta carry my own. The imagery of digging a hole and burying a soul calls to mind a funeral service, as well as the coffin-like imagery of the swimming cover art. Of course, both are sobering images in light of Mac's fate. In this vulnerable discussion of his dark times and the pressure he feels, we connect with Mac and feel compassion. But unfortunately, this was not always the case. The veil of fame and wealth often obscures our portraits of celebrities, and it's easy to assume that they have no problems or that the problems they do have are unwarranted. For someone as vulnerable and honest as Mac, both in interviews and on wax, it seemed tough for him to navigate these dynamics sometimes. Here's Mac on Hot 97 admitting to his demons that led him to vice, which is met with immediate skepticism. I have a tortured soul, you know what I mean? And us with tortured souls, sometimes you try and numb numb the things that that hurt your tortured soul but in reality you can't you have to face your problems you can't push them down and save them what are your problems though you have like the nicest family ever your mom's the nicest lady in the world i didn't look man we're not here to talk about the (laughs) negative right now we're talking about good am the album september 18 stores you know what i mean that's right while mac takes this in stride and turns to humor it's sad to look back on Describing his pain and his need to handle his problems on his own, when Mac is cornered, he jokes that there's an album to sell. This moment highlights so much of 2009's totality, of an honest expression that has to contend with commercial disruption. Thankfully in his music, his home turf, Mac is able to offer a clear, uninterrupted perspective on these struggles. He continues rapping, My own with these arms I can carry you home. I'm right here when you're scared and alone, and I ain't never in a hurry. Here we have a direct call for shelter, as Mac uses himself as a protection for others. This is the power of music, of honesty, and the healing love that it offers. When Mac's close collaborator Josh Berg reflected on the life of Mac, he said, quote, When we see vulnerability in other people, we see courage. In that aspect, Malcolm was the leader. He was the captain of a ship that made you feel comfortable to go to a place where you felt scared to go. He understood that really deeply, unquote. This is the relief, solace, and protection offered by listening to the music of Mac Miller. It exists and always will for as long as we listen. While existence is temporary, these moments we connect through music are forever. These songs will carry us home. Mac then consoles us, emoting, you don't ever gotta worry, even when it's 7.30 and the time is running low. Here Mac seems to be describing nightfall. The onset of dusk is actually scientifically linked to sad moods and even depressive mind states. Whether it be the reduction in distractions, isolation, darkness, or disruptions to our circadian rhythms, the onset of night shrouds our minds as we seek shelter, 
and we become disoriented if we can't find refuge. Max's offer to carry us home is thus an acknowledgement of this innate compulsion and sanctuary from unease. The specificity of the time 7.30 might stem from the artist Big L, who Mac often praised as the reason he became a rapper. On the song Ebonics, Big L lists and translates different terms and phrases, including 7.30. Here, Big L explains that, if you 7.30, that mean you crazy, referring to the Article 7.30 of New York Criminal Procedural Law, which is essentially pleading insanity. In this sense, Mac saying 7.30 alludes to the madness of not having a grip on our mind, and Mac assures us that he's got our back, that we don't have to go insane. This reference is intentional, it's a deep cut, but Mac did run a Big L fan page when he was in high school and used Big L as his Facebook profile photo. In a song that's reflecting the start of his journey, it only seems right to nod to his OG. That's what it is, but as far as being an MC, you know, the first rapper that really got me into wanting to be an MC was a dude by the name of Big L. Uh, wow. Yeah, wow from from harlem yeah and that was like the, that was the dude that made me want to pick up a pen and write mac has also used the time of 7 30 as a mortal test on his delusional thomas side project where he embodies a character who professed all the darkest most terrible thoughts specifically the time 7 30 appears on the ironically titled halo he was dtf it probably had some freaky sex really i'm not worried already planned to kill myself when the clock at 7 30 my head is dirty, took a suicide dive into some cow manure. Now I'm chilling, chopping, screwing, I'll be sure. Here Mac's character claims that he planned to kill himself when the clock hit 7.30, a chilling scheme. In 2009, Mac seems to continue this morbid association as he says, when it's 7.30 and the time is running low, as in, close to death. It might be this villainous illusion that then leads Mac to rap, when your heart get cold, see what's behind all the unturned stones. A cold heart is typically a symbol of an evil person, but it could also allude to a general unhappiness or poor self-esteem. Oftentimes, the reason we commit heinous acts is because of internal sadness. These lyrics also evoke the image of lying in bed at night and fretting over all the what-ifs, of worrying over every past moment and what we could have done differently. To leave no stone unturned is an idiom meaning to do everything possible to find a solution. But when it comes to the never-ending threat of the mind's ability to create something out of nothing, Perhaps the only solution is accepting the imperfection of whatever paths we end up taking. This was a struggle Mac knew well, as he explained, quote, I have a tendency to brood about stuff and cook in it. I'll wake up and just sit here and think about it for hours. What I could have done better. How I could have gotten more rest. How I could have practiced this. How I could have worked this out. Just the what-ifs of all those kinds of things drives me crazy. I mean, but it is all stuff that I am trying not to think about as much and just keep moving and starting to accept love from people. When people are like, oh, I really like this, being able to be like, oh, wow, thank you, and actually feeling that, unquote. Mac then works toward the conclusion of his verse rapping, and I'm a pro when it comes to my job, but really, I'm just trying to start believing in God. Here Mac highlights the economic concerns that cloud his desires, as being professional with work is nothing compared to seeking faith and spirituality. It gets at the deeper aim of the music he makes, not strictly for money, but an attempt at reaching something divine, something holy to believe in. Mac's final words of the verse then imply faith as he sings, Now when it gets hard, I don't panic, I don't sound the alarm. He has come to a feeling of contentment, understanding, and acceptance. Faith, even when it's hard. As Mac is about to sing, this is all because he doesn't need to lie anymore. In this context, we may think that this lie refers to the lying position associated with death. With his faith, Mac can move beyond the fear of death, trusting in the passage of time. When asked specifically what he would tell his younger self in tandem with the lessons of 2009, Mac explained, quote, would just tell myself to worry a little less and not hold on to, don't create all this weight for things. Everything has so much weight, but it's all just chapters. It's all just pieces of the story. There's gonna be a next part. It's not a big deal. It's not. That's the thing, trust. The more I trust in who I am as a human being, the more I'm like, okay, this will all kind of figure itself out as long as I do what feels natural. Now when it gets hard, I don't panic, I don't sound the alarm, because I don't need to lie no more. Nowadays all I do is shine, take a breath and ease my mind. As we come to this end, Max's chorus is emboldened by multiple vocal layers, adding to what was once a lone voice. The individual reckoning with time has become universal. In Max's voices, we hear our own, an intimate anthem for the ages. She don't cry no more. 
She tell me that I get her high Cause the angel's supposed to fly I ain't asking why no more Oh no, I take it if it's mine I don't stay inside the lines It ain't 2009 no more Yeah, I know what's behind that door After the final chorus, Mac disappears into the music, and 2009 concludes with a minute-long musical outro, allowing us to fully immerse ourselves in the song's tender instrumental. It's in this extended outro that we have the fullest awareness of the music, and oftentimes this is when we can perceive the sounds that have been hidden in plain hearing. Specifically, I want to hone in on the high-pitched voices that come in and out. These high-pitched voices are sampled from that same Shanti's Got a Man song that forms the basis of the track. But within the context of 2009 and the abstraction the sample chops create, these voices are up for interpretation. They could simply be musical textures, the high-pitched voices perhaps evoking children or childhood. But some dedicated Mac fans have conversed online about what they specifically hear these voices saying. The most common interpretation is, I love you, mom, then help me, and then dad. I'll play the passage again, pointing out each phrase. I love you, Mom. Help me. Dad. Of course, these are subjective hearings of the phrases, but once pointed out, it does become somewhat hard not to hear them. It highlights one of the more interesting things about the abstraction of music and the subjectivity of individual experience when listening. The song is fixed in time, yet our experience of it is forever fluid. What you hear is different from what I hear, and what you hear today will be different than what you hear years from now. As we grow and take on more experiences and information, our view of the world and everything therein evolves. But this specific interpretation brings Mac's parents into the fold which regardless of intention, does feel appropriate given 2009's fixation on the passage of Mac's career and life. Indeed, Mac has spoken directly to and about his mother, Karen Myers, through his music before. In turn, Mac's mother was always an outspoken fan of his music. In 2014, she was interviewed for the Mother's Day release of Mac's mixtape, Faces. When asked what Mac's song was her favorite, she said, quote, Well, I could say the song that he wrote for me. I'll be there from Best Day Ever. I love that song. In the living room to watch my cartoons. I just hope she know I love her. The world's best mother. Yeah, it ain't fair. So I'ma take care of her in her gray hair. When I get rich, I'll have her living like she should be. No stress, no worries. You can call me cuz it's For the woman he called the world's best mother, Max spent three minutes and 12 seconds on I'll Be There publicly professing his love a proclamation embedded into eternity through music. Mac also publicly showed love for his father, who he always identified as an incredibly creative and hard worker, who supported his son with keen attention to detail. Like, my dad uh, listens to every single thing, reads every word of every article that anyone... Like, my dad is like... Sees everything, reads everything, which is awesome and not awesome at the same time because my dad will hit me about like every little thing that comes out on the internet. But it's great, you know, like to have a, a family that's, you know, not only in support of me following my dreams, but also just fans of what I do. It, it feels good to come home and, and have my family actually like the music I make. The love Mac displays for his parents is beautiful. And as 2009 functions, it's also emblematic of a greater love of the world and the universe. Loving our mother, as in loving Gaia, Mother Earth, the divine feminine, and loving our father, perhaps God, who Mac hopes to believe in. With his general acceptance and appreciation for his life on 2009, we feel Mac's embrace of everything. The universe, the planet, the divine, and the eternal passage of time. And through the power of music, all of us become enveloped in this embrace. We all have our own 2009, those pivotal doors we open that change everything, for better or worse. And Mac teaches us to be honest, reflective, and open to these experiences, however they have and will continue to unfold. With Mac having passed through that final mortal door, 2009 offers us infinity in a bottle, a lifetime embalmed by music, a celebration of forever and a moment. 
a moment frozen in time you know what i mean that mm. you get to really go and and be in and especially right now so soon like that energy is very 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 present people always talk about things like that in the wrong way where they say like like you it's not eerie it's not like eerie in a negative sense like it's not weird it's like like you could feel it's not you don't feel death you feel the life there yes, you know what i mean like yes, that's man. what it is it's yes, not man. you're not going to some place and it's like dark right you know what i mean right. because he passed there it's like you're going because it's like the life is still present less mourning more celebration right exactly which is like man that's a that's a whole another thing about how people need to start looking in at, at at life and death, you know. Yeah, man. Celebrate, man. Let's get into it. Conclusions. If 2009 is before Mac's music career took off, it's before Mac had a relationship with his fans, the fans that grew with him. For Mac, all of us were behind that door, and his reflections on 2009 are gratitude for our shared journey. This aspect of the individual becoming universal is something that Mac strived for in his music. I think I'll be putting out I'll be putting out music in some form for the rest of my life, man. I don't care if no one even listens to it. You know, it's it's not I don't care if it makes zero money. It might be it might be less stressful if it makes zero money, man. I'm you know. But I think you gotta pretend that no one listens. You gotta you gotta pretend that you're just making music for yourself. Because when you do something for yourself and only for yourself and it translates to everybody else, that's like when I think true genius takes its form that's when something new happens you know mac would expand on this line of thinking saying quote you eventually realize you're the only variable the only difference is you that's why you have to be that honest you put so much of yourself into what you do because in the end you're the only thing that's different you're the only thing that sets it apart unquote the wisdom mac offers here is pointing out our universal intrinsic attraction to authenticity and how true, unfiltered, honest expression of self forms the strongest bonds among humans. Because while the specifics of our experience vary, we're all swimming in the same water. We're all experiencing the same palette of human emotion, regardless of what activates them. We bond ourselves with those who are both brave and talented enough to express those emotions with the kind of accuracy and scale that Mac Miller does. This is why, despite being so specific to his own life on 2009, the song connects with us so deeply. 2009's producer Eric G. also recognized this rare quality in the song, saying, quote, When we recorded 2009, it felt like something super meaningful to me. It was relevant to my life in a way. It's relevant to a lot of people. It's real emotional. I saw Mac the next day after we recorded, and he played it for everyone who was on the tour, and all of his close friends, and everyone said that they cried. It was really important to me that we were able to talk about what we talked about, and having it come out in the music. That one moment, him listening, and he's just so honest about what's going on with him. He was telling me stories about shit that you probably wouldn't want to tell. He was honest, and he's just a person, you know? Unquote. This universal, timeless quality followed Mac Miller throughout his entire career. For instance, one specific phrase long associated with Mac is 92 Till Infinity, the title of an unreleased mixtape he was working on in the early 2010s. The phrase is a play on the classic Souls of Mischief song titled 93 Till Infinity, and the mixtape was to be Mac's homage to the legacy of hip-hop that made him. Fittingly, the number 93 was changed to 92, signifying Mac's birth year. It's for this reason the phrase has stuck, as it signifies a life and music that resounds forever. But if we look at the number 2009, we realize that all the figures of 92 Till Infinity are present, 2 and 9, with infinity in the middle, made of zeros. In perfect pairing with the concept of time and reflective process of 2009, the numbers are backwards, 92 becoming 29, with infinity found within. That is, the infinite now, the everlasting moment of awareness that Mac has espoused throughout swimming. Indeed, in discussion of time on the album, we're coming to understand that all time is, was, and will be. That time doesn't give a fuck about clocks. And the unending passage of time can only be handled with an unending experience of time as it happens cannot become stuck in the unavailable past or lost in the imaginary future. Now is only now, and life ain't a life till you live it. And while nothing can replace the life of Malcolm McCormick, the humanity he so elegantly captured in his music does live on as long as we keep listening in this eternal present. 
from 92, 2009 till infinity. Most dope, that's forever. thing man music is a beautiful thing all right music is a beautiful thing <laughs> it's a beautiful thing baby it's a beautiful thing let me tell you something about music <laughs> it's beautiful all right